Well, hello there, gentle listeners, and welcome to the AFA podcast, the official podcast of animationforadults.com, the blog for the adult animation aficionado. I'm Chris, and I'm joined by my co-host, Dan. Hi, Dan. Hi. Hey, and by Rachel. Hi, Rachel. Hello. And last, but by no means least, Yvonne. Hey, doing well. Okay, so we should start with some introductions about how we got into animation and how we came to AFA. And So, Dan. Hi, yeah, sure. Well, um, I am an animator by trade. Um, I'm actually a storyboard artist right now. Um, And uh, I got into animation just through school, through drawing. So, yeah, uh, I went to animation school and I became an animator and I got involved with the site after um, I started hanging around a bit more with film critics. Um, I've always been a really big film buff and enjoyed analysing films. And hanging around with film critics, I realized that that was something that I was really interested in. Um, so I started trying to write, and uh, I I started writing for um, Animation for Adults after I got in touch with Chris, and I said, um, I'm an animator by, by trade, and I, I look at animated films from a little bit more of the point of view of an animator sometimes, and he seemed interested in that point of view. And I started writing, and... Uh, I went to see Song of the Sea um, at an advanced screening. Yeah, and uh, the next uh, thing I wrote was a review for Princess Kaguya, and uh, I have lots more articles on the way. <laughs> so as, as, Chris, as Chris, yeah, as Chris knows. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that that's pretty much about it for me. Cool, Rachel. Oh goodness, where to start? Um. Well, I am a, uh, I'm trying to make a career, currently trying to make a career out of writing, um, cause it's been a primary passion of mine for a long time. I've always been very big into, uh, stories of all different shapes and sizes and, uh, different medias, like, you know, starting with reading and then I became really enamored with film and I just really got in- introduced into animation, you know, through Disney, um, Warner Brothers and all that, but I never really understood like really grasped what kind of different stories could be told with animation until I actually started watching um various uh Japanese animation coming over uh uh being aired in the um UK uh via Toonami which is you know you got to see all different kinds of stuff about that and so I got really into writing about you know Japanese animation and that kind of stuff so by the time I came to college and went to uh to be a film uh let's see film concentration with an English major, I uh, would start writing about, like, the that various entertainment in um, our, our college newspaper and even end up getting an internship with uh, a group called Common Sense Media, which is about um, kind of bridging the gap between, you know, parents and their kids and trying to, you know, find, you know, basically talk about different TV shows, books, etc., about, you know, what kind of, you know, what kind of content is in there and, you know, having parents make the decision about, you know, what to share with their kids based on that information. Unfortunately, that, that didn't pan out to anything, and I'm uh, still trying to see if I can make a career in uh, writing about entertainment, um, particularly animation, since it's a pa- primary passion of mine. So I got in touch in- with Chris because I actually um, met him of- via writing uh, blogging, I guess that's the proper word. Uh, on another site about video games, um, I think was it Rebel Gaming was what it was originally called. Yeah, originally, but then someone else had that name apparently. No yeah, 
that was that was a bit of a confused confusing trying to get that off the ground and um but I was we wrote for that a little while and he, you know he did a lot of editing there so um that's how he got introduced to my work and then I had to I had to drop out after a while because I had a, a lot of real life issues to tackle but when he uh, I saw on Twitter when I joined Twitter that he was doing the um, uh, animation for adults and I was looking at the site and thought this would be a good thing to, a good way to keep my skills sharp and still you know and a good outlet for writing about what I really want to write about so while I look for my proper career path. So here I am, and I will continue to do as much writing as I can about whatever I can, uh, whatever really captures my imagination. Yeah, cool. Okay, um, so I was never actually particularly interested in being a writer, especially. I always liked writing, but it wasn't my... I never thought of becoming a writer as a profession, uh, because... Uh, right from when I was little, I just wanted to be an animator or a cartoonist. And as soon as I could pick up a pen, I was drawing stuff. And I always used to uh, like draw birthday cards for friends and family and everything like that. And that was all I ever wanted to do. And when it came to uh, university, I was actually I did radio, film, and TV studies. But the reason I chose that particular course was because there was. Uh, the option of doing an animation module in the second and third year uh, so I chose that and I in the animation module I learned how to do flash and you also study animation like from a um, academic sort of thing of the history and everything and I fell even more in love with animation during that and it's pretty much all I wanted to do but what actually happened was I was stuck in a retail job for years and then one day a friend of mine who worked there um, decided to set up a website and he was it was called Screen Highway and he w- asked me if I'd be interested in writing animation content for it and so we had this section on the website called Animation Avenue and I did basically animation content for that and the first thing I did was reviewed a film called Chico and Rita that he actually asked me to review. And that is actually now the first post on animationforadults.com. And um, basically, as I was writing, people started to say to me that perhaps that was something that I should consider doing, um, like family and friends and things. And during that time... I found out about a new anime magazine that was starting uh, in the UK called My M Magazine, and I basically sent off some samples to them, and they gave me a shot, and they let me write for the magazine, and since then I've been writing for it. Like, I've been in almost every issue, and it's up to I think issue forty-one now, mm. which is which is quite unusual in this modern <laughs> era to be able to start a magazine, and it actually got bought by the MCM Expo group, so it's doing pretty well, I think. But what happened with Screen Highway was um, the guy who ran it, he didn't have time to do it anymore, so he let it expire. But I was happy with the work I did, so I wanted to get it back up somewhere else, and I thought, hey, why give it to someone else when I could put it up for myself? So I basically started a blog that was like, what I've always wanted to read because I thought there was kind of a gap in the market for 
particular type of animation blog that sort of just treats it like film. Um, I mean, there's lots of anime sites and there's lots of Western animation sites, but there's not many that sort of treat all animation as equal. And that is basically how Animation for Adults got started. And gradually over time, the first person I heard from was Dan. And then after that, I think the second person who got in touch with me was Chelsea. She is awesome as well. And then Rachel, who I worked with on uh, yeah, Rebel Gaming, which became Kill Street Media, which was a title I was never very keen on. No, um, neither was I. <laughs> and also also came on board um, was JJ, who was another person who wrote with us at the same site, who's another great writer. Mm-hmm. So I, a couple of great writers from my other blogging adventures around there. And then um, next came on with Jill, who's also not here today, um, but hopefully will be in the podcast in the future. Um, and Yvonne came on in a quite an interesting way because she actually uh, got in touch about doing an interview. And I had recently had an email from someone at the Academy in New York who uh, wanted to know if we'd like to send someone along to some animation events at the Academy. And I thought, yes, I'd love to, but I'm, I'm in England and uh, Dad's in England and Rachel's not in New York and JJ's not in New York. I, I, don't, I don't know what to do. Jill's not in New York. And I just mentioned in passing, oh, I'm looking for a writer in New York. And Yvonne said, hey, maybe I could do that. <laughs> and I said, really? She said, yes. And yeah. That's the delay, is it, yeah. from the UK to the... Yeah, 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 it's yeah. the um, satellite delay. <laughs> it's by email, but never mind. We won't let, you know, accuracy spoil a good story. And yeah, and, and so that was how the team came together. And I think um, I'm really pleased with how the website is coming along because the thing that really makes me happy is the fact that I get so much stuff from people who are actually animators themselves who really appreciate what we're doing and you know some of our followers are famous voice actors or Oscar winning directors no, Oscar nominated directors sorry <laughs> double Oscar nominated directors <laughs> that's as good as a win really yeah, yeah. Really. as far as animation is concerned at this point like, we, can get, <laughs> we can get into that later yeah. <laughs> right so that's pretty much the story of how Animation for Adults got started and how we all came together. So, Vaughn, mm-hmm. how did you get started? <laughs> how did I get started in animation? Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I got started in, on, in animation through sort of like a, a windy series of events. It's kind of a, um, really an, a New York story in a lot of ways. Um, uh, initially, I studied painting and drawing, um, but you know, when once I was in New York City, um, I got a job. I worked well. I had a number of jobs in New York, but I worked for this artist um, named Christina Vergano. Actually, she's wonderful work, and you know, she hired me to help her sort of like get ready for a show. This is a you know a long time ago when I uh, had first been in New York City for a little while. Um, 
after her show, she said, you know, my, my, my husband has an architecture firm. You know, he really needs help in the office if you want to file slides. So I did. And, you know, after I started working for him, I wound up, uh, after filing the slides, um, he sort of set me with a, up with a computer and I became his executive assistant. And uh, during that time, I started doing some website development and taught myself how to how to use Flash and just kind of worked around with little things. So I never really used a computer before, um, seriously or focused on it. So I did AutoCAD for him. And I don't know, it was something about the AutoCAD in that sort of infinite virtual space that that contrasted with the background I had in narrative figurative painting. It was just such a, a wonderful thing. You know, you're sort of, you know, you're limited to the size of the canvas when you're you're painting and drawing. And I was doing these really narrative, this narrative uh, figurative work that told stories. Um, and then suddenly there was this whole other medium that I, I could I could utilize. Um so, you know, I, so I, I worked in Flash. I moved, went out of the, I did AutoCAD for a while uh, and did some 3D stuff, you know, after the AutoCAD. And that was really fascinating. I started teaching myself how to use uh, 3D Studio Max. And, and I don't know, I mean, I realized I wasn't going to be an architect uh, and had at that point gotten pretty good at the Flash stuff, like good enough. At that time, you know, it was sort of the beginning of when Flash was really taking over and those um, annoying pop-up messages were happening all the time. <laughs> Um, like I helped create those. I helped create those. <laughs> but anyway, it was great for, uh, we also did eye details and stuff. So there was movement, but it wasn't involved. It was really just a matter of things moving on and off, you know, the screen. And, you know, it's funny, like during that whole time, you know, I wasn't really doing animation. I was just kind of utilizing this medium basically to, to earn a living, you know, and it, it was an, it was a living that wasn't, you know, it was an alternative to waiting tables, you know, which is what I was doing before. I was painting and waiting tables, you know, before the architecture firm. Or, or you know, I worked for the artist, I, for that artist, you know, after I'd waited tables. But, you know, it was just one of those New York things where you just do whatever you can to, to get by um, in the city. Um, but, yeah, I mean, at one point when I was doing the Flash stuff, I, I and I was trying to model and, you know, doing the 3D stuff, Mac stuff on the side, too, I thought, you know, it would be great to... I was still doing sketches at home too, you know, sort of working on narratives. And I thought it would be great to try and animate some of this stuff. I mean, I have a, had a couple characters in mind and I had actually modeled a couple characters. And then when I went to start, I thought, you know, I, I have no idea how to do this. I have no idea how to do any kind of character animation. Not really, you know, I mean, I'm moving things on a screen is not animation. So I signed up for Animation Mentor, and they'd been around a few years by that time. And I was following the student work, and, and the work that came out of there was just wonderful. You know, it was really lovely. And uh, and I was, you know, by that time doing working for WebMD, doing uh, the Flash stuff. So that was, you know, it was a pretty lucrative job, and I was able to, you know, pay for the program, no problem. But once I I really started studying animation, you know, it's such a it's a difficult art form, you know, it's, it's a different art form. And um, I could draw, but um, I didn't, you know, I'm not a. There are animators who really, really can draw, you know what I mean? I'm an, I'm an all right drafts person, but um, and body mechanics and the um, twelve principles and all of that, you know, just learning sort of all of that for the very first time, and it's almost as though 
you just you just dig this big hole for yourself once you're hooked you know and and um and it's like the more you learn the the deeper the hole gets you know what i mean like it's sort of um that it's just such a difficult thing to do but um addictive and um and wonderful and uh and everyone that i've met since then since animation mentor have been terrific i mean i really felt like i sort of met my clan you know and uh it's just been been a, a terrific time, um, and so since then, yeah, I've been doing. Since I finished the animation mentor program, I have to plug them again, um, and the animals and creatures program, and then I went back and took refresher classes. Um, eventually, some of that. And I mean, I it, it still kind of is, you know what I mean? And, and um, you know, as you all probably know, it's uh, once you really start. Getting into animation, you um, just continue to learn and improve and 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 move forward, you know. But yeah, that, I mean that's my story. So I've been doing that for a living now uh, for a number of years, doing freelance stuff, working around different studios in New York City, and uh, and now in the last couple of years, you know, actually working. Uh, I have my own little you know one person studio in Queens that I do a lot of uh, work out of. Yep. <laughs> that's, that's ice snare. Awesome. Yes, awesome. that's ice snare. Yeah. Yeah. You should all check out, by the way. Wow, that's the <laughs> yeah. dream, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Having your own, yeah. having your own studio, it's amazing. Well, I mean, it's what you know. It's uh, it's a uh, <laughs> young and, but I'm, you know, I'm doing it. I'm able to, to get by and, and support myself, and you know, which is kind of a big deal. <laughs> it really is. You're it takes such a long me. time. To get to that stage, yeah. So that's the thing, and in this program that I'm in now, you know, I'm, as you know, I'm currently in Edinburgh uh, for the Edinburgh International Film Festival Animation Lab. Uh, was fantastic because I just met a, a ton of other people, eighteen or seventeen other uh, animators, directors, producers, that are all doing the same thing at, at different levels for a different, you know, number of years. They're all professionals, though. And it was, uh, like I said, it was very validating because, yeah, we're all just trying to make, make, you know, good work and, and, uh, you know, keep clients happy. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. That's, ex- that's exactly what everyone's trying to do. No matter how, yeah. like how big your studio is or how big your position is, everyone's just trying to make it work. Right. And everyone's really passionate. You know, they're all really passionate about the art form, which you know, happens when you get hooked. I mean, and uh, there's a real sense of empathy, you know. I mean, mm. someone made a, a joke, uh, <laughs> one of the participants in the program, you know, that, you know, the animation lab, it's it's a very safe place. Like, no one's going to be hurt here. <laughs> like, nothing dangerous is going to happen, you know, because it's just sort of the nature of the animator, I think. I mean, you know how much work is being put into even the smallest project, you know, because everyone wants to do the best job that they can. And uh, there's something about that that sort of brings everyone together. You know, you want to you want to include everyone and you want to uh, and learn from them. You know that there are things to learn. So it's been kind of magical. Cool. Okay, uh, now we should go on to talk a bit about what's been going on in the world of animation news recently. <laughs> oh, there's been uh, a bunch recently. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, there's been quite a lot of trailers recently have come out, mm. um, and we're going to talk about them a bit. So, is there any trailer in particular that anyone's seen that they really stood out to them? 
the peanuts, hands down. Yeah, the standout. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was taking me back to watching those old cartoons, even though it's you, know, you can still tell it's definitely like the three-dimensional animation. They're doing their damnedest to make it look as you know as similar to the original cartoons, at least in this new in this new art form, as much as they can. So it still feels like you're getting the heart and the soul of the peanuts on screen. going to change who I am and become a winner. Charlie Brown? Snoopy, what would I do without a good friend like you? She likes to dance. The Peanuts Movie. The dog just loves you for who you are. It's nice to have someone that will listen to you. Uh, the, well, I mean, I saw that at the um, the Blue Sky event, and, um, and I thought it was wonderful. Yeah, I definitely, I love the sort of hand-drawn look that the faces have, and it has a sort of softness. I don't know how to describe it, but, um, and well, an appeal. Uh, I want to see, I'd like to see the movie, <laughs> but I was actually really, really, um, worried that I kind of wouldn't want to when I saw it. Like I started putting off, um, seeing the trailer. I, like I wasn't watching it online or anything, you know, cause, um, I was just a little bit worried, <laughs> but it looks fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I, I think Blue Sky are a lot better than the Ice Age movies, basically. They've they've yeah. come a long way. They've 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 come a long way with their their anime their movies, I think. But the animation itself is has uh, always been really good. But that's even gotten it's you know, plus you know they've got it's gotten better and better. What's unchanged um, are the rigs, um, and I know through mentors, animation mentor, I've worked at Blue Sky that. That was a, uh, you know, something they were always having to work on because as the characters developed, you know, you have to sort of upgrade everything. They get super complicated. And now, you know, with fur and, and feathers, and I mean, Rio too looked pretty incredible. But, you know, those early, early movies, um, starting with Bunny, you know, they, they couldn't do fur then. So, you know, like as the characters have, have progressed, I know that at a certain point, at one point, <laughs> um, I can't remember which movie, uh, they were really sort of struggling with the machines. <laughs> I heard that they kind of, uh, they chugged, you know, that's got to be frustrating. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or you're like waiting, you know, 30 whole seconds to play back your keyframe. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, I think they've always had their own kind of uniquely cartoony approach to things. Um which, yeah, really really makes sense that they're doing they're doing really interesting things with peanuts. I'm not saying I hate the Ice Age movies or anything. It's just I think that they're sort of holding they've held them back a bit because they're stylistically they're quite quite f- simple. I, th- I I I'm not sure. I mean they they were very, very influenced by, you know, Chuck Jones and Tex Avery cartoons in the design and in what, you know, like the scrapped shorts. Totally. They Those are hilarious, by the you way. They're, they're not at all held back by the limitations of the technology because 
it's just really, really good, um, you know, really well directed and really, really funny animation, really well timed. Mm-hmm. Uh, people who, you know, understand animation, really. And I think, yeah, I, I, I don't think they were too held back by, you know, the limitations of, of fur and things like that. But you know, that said, if you go back and watch Ice Age, as I did recently, the humans really <laughs> look quite wooden. Yeah. Um, it's quite shocking how, how, uh, how your perspectives change and how very, very quickly things start to look quite dated mm-hmm. in CG. Yeah, the more, the further back you go, like some of the earlier movies, like even though, I mean, I love Toy Story, you know. Absolutely. Up yeah. and down, left and right, just the, one of the best movies I've ever seen growing up and even today. You know, so even so, you can still see how the animation's aged, but, you know, it's also you have to, you know, suspend your disbelief a little bit. Oh, at least yeah. how animation looks now in comparison. Mm. Yeah. Except that a lot of movies, I mean, some, well, I mean, regarding walk cycles, you know, I mean, you look at any movie, you can look at um, any Pixar movie and some of the secondary characters or background characters, if you take a close look at some of those work cycles. <laughs> I think, you know, cause it's because, you know, it takes a lot of people to make a movie. And, and I think, um, you know, there are, uh, people who sort of just either just started in the company or like, you know, maybe the people who are doing the intern route or something are, are doing some of the characters. You know what I mean? I, I mean, you know, yeah. I always notice that yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter because the, you know, the way the movie is directed and the staging is set up and lighting and all of that. I mean, your eye goes exactly where it's supposed to, but um, it is something. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I, I think I remember there being a Brad Bird story about him being um, him doing a prop review for mm-hmm. Incredibles and he was he was given just a whole contact sheet full of uh, different lampposts and things like that and he would say these are great but they don't I, I don't know what I'm looking at how important is this lamppost is this lamppost going to be flying past us at 60 miles an hour or is this a <laughs> lamppost that one of our characters is going to be leaning on right. and he put his energy in the ones that you know are part of the story so I think right. like you're saying it's it's uh it's a directing thing. It's, you know, it's mm-hmm. how important are these background characters? What, what's the likelihood that someone's going to be, you know, you, they, they can't really help the people who are going to be sat watching the DVD four years later mm-hmm. <laughs> looking at yeah. the background characters. Right. Going, that, that's walk cycle. <laughs> yeah. That walk cycle looks a little bit off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just love the way it looks like it's not even CG animation. It looks like it could almost be hand-drawn. Yeah. Well, do you know what? It looks a lot to me like um, a couple of years ago, there was a, a new Moomin movie. Oh, right, yeah. And it was kind of this... Uh, it was stop-motion, but the characters were slightly, um, were slightly raised off the... It was like South Park, okay? Like yeah, 2D yeah, stop-motion. Yeah, I think I saw about that. Yeah, and it and it has a similar kind of effect where it looks kind of bumpy. It, it has a, a kind of beveled effect, but it is very still much two D. Um, yeah. It looks it, it, the, the the way they've handled peanuts looks to me very much like that. But it's also because they want to release it in three D, three D. So I think maybe if you actually see it in three D, it looks yeah. more. 
It looks different. Uh, I think that's a gimmick. I think that's... I honestly... I think filmmakers are over that now. (laughs) And it seems to be... I know, it just seems to be a burden for filmmakers to... Because if you're going to be doing 3D, I think you have to either be doing Final Destination, where you have things coming at you, and it's really cheesy, um, (laughs) or Coraline, you know, where you're kind of... It, it's it's really really built into the filmmaking and and the story as well. Right. Otherwise, it's just gratuitous. Yeah, <laughs> it's a way to sell tickets. It's kind of <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. it really is. That's what that's what three D has become in the movie industry, and it's kind of sad because there are certain films that do it really really well. Like, I mean, I know Avatar got a lot of praise for its three D, and then um, I know as far as animated films go, um, How to Train Your Dragon was the flying sequences in that in three D were absolutely breathtaking. Yeah, I was sad that I missed that at the cinema because. Although I have seen it on, we've actually got a 3D set at home, and I watched it. I watched it on the 3D at home, and it was still pretty amazing. But I would like to have seen it on the big screen. Yeah, it was. It it was breathtaking. I mean, yeah, I loved that movie. (laughs) I mean, I I I watched it multiple times, and I don't. Yeah, I mean, I was choked up. I laughed. I cried. One of those kind of movies. It's just as far as it seems like that are where 3D effects work really, really well. But I think a lot of, because of the fact that a lot of filmmakers maybe not maybe not be getting that exact, you know, I'm sorry, I'm stumbling over my words. Um, basically, they're trying to use the fact that 3D, to, in order to, like you said, as a gimmick, in order to say, oh, if we have 3D, of course people are going to come because they're going to want to see the 3D effects. It's like, well, but if you half-ass it, then... People are just going to roll well, their eyes. Yeah, I mean, it's a matter of when it's applied, though. I mean, that's the real difference. If it's applied after the movie is, has been created and not during, I mean, that's the big difference. And so, I mean, that, it kind of boils down to a lack of planning, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are a bunch of movies that get released, uh, live-action movies, where they really... I mean, they don't. Have, the thing is, they don't have to be honest about whether something was filmed in 3D or not. Right, they just, you just get to... It's, it's all in the marketing. <laughs> And yeah. the problem with animation being, you know, um, it's still basically for kids, and kids buy into, you know, it feels like going to a show, you know, oh, I get the glasses, I get popcorn, and I put the glasses on, and it looks like I'm going to the movies, and, you know, it's uh, it's pretty much just a marketing thing, I think. But but going back, going back to Peanuts, I mean, one of the things that, uh, that really um, interests me about the movie is that it's all set in in his town. It's all set, you know. It, it hasn't. They haven't felt the need to open it out into a wider world. They're not going on a road trip or anything. Thank like goodness. That. Exactly. It's it's just. I mean, apart from a couple of you know flights of fancy sequences, um, it seems to be very much like the old TV show where the biggest stakes are: is Charlie Brown popular? Who likes him? Does he, you know, does he make a goof of him? Does he make a goof of himself in front of? The whole school, uh, it's it's great, and I think uh, it's really cool to see um, them not uh, see them having faith, you know, in the in the initial concept, and not feeling the need to tack on, you know, a movie, you know, where they have well, the to. Comic strips have been going on for so long. I get they, there is something timeless in those, at least in as far as the comics are concerned, that you really. You know, there is no real need to add anything because it just it's just it's it's self perpetuating, right? It's just like people keep coming back to it, you know, every single time you at least I know with whenever I 
I like look at the newspaper, you know, daily newspaper. I always look at the comic section, and I always see Peanuts at the one of the um as one of the comics, and it's it's just one of the one that, like I said, it's one of those timeless things that you you can always come back to. Yeah, and I also I think in the particular case um, with uh, with Blue Sky and Fox is that um, they needed Schultz's family's best thing, you know, to to do it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we'd have a movie at all if it wasn't if we, if we didn't really have the spirit of of the original uh, comics and uh, and animated specials. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, I'm I'm absolutely in. It looks it looks great. It looks like good fun. I just love the fact it's got the original music and everything. It's just like yeah, it just looks like they're doing it justice. But do you think? Today's kids are going to care. Do you think they've got any recognition of who Charlie Brown and Snoopy are? Well, I think they're off, they're at least I know Snoopy's on enough Hallmark cards that uh, <laughs> that at least uh, he'll be uh, recognizable. At least mm-hmm. it, like you know, kids will be like, oh, I know that like that's Snoopy. He's like he's on he's on he's on greeting cards. He's on a whole bunch of other different stuff. So they'll probably be interested to learn at least more about that particular character, even if they aren't really familiar with all the other ones. And that that could be a doorway for at least for for kids to be introduced to the other Peanuts characters that you know we grew up with and mm. maybe you know, well, that's, that's their parents no, grew up with. That's no mistake, though. I mean, Schultz was very shrewd and. In, in getting Snoopy on as much merchandise as possible, pretty much to those ends, because, uh, you know, people have been reading Snoopy for years, uh, you know, by the time I was born, and I grew up and found Snoopy comics around the house. So it's, you know, it's, it's kind of always been quite, um, I think it's always been a bit of a merchandising thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy for that to continue, to be honest. Yeah, I mean he—he's a lovable character, and he's one of the one, like arguably one of the best characters. Even though he—he he doesn't really talk, you still get a lot of you know what his personality is, his relationship with Charlie Brown, and and the other characters, and just—he's just—he's just lovable. He's just—he's a puppy dog. Yeah, I mean, and and the other thing is, I think whether young kids are going to take to it, um, we'll see, <laughs> I guess, but. I I don't see why they wouldn't. I don't see why they wouldn't. I think um, it, it's really cool. I I really hope that it's a film that has a bit of patience. Yeah. Um, and it seems like it will, and it will be really interesting to see how kids react to that because I think kids um, they're always kind of played down to a lot, and they're given very high octane you know movies to watch, and uh, it will be really cool to see how they respond to something which is. Uh, you know, a bit calmer in places, and and isn't yeah, you know, so you know, firing jokes every two seconds just to keep you interested. I think it's smart they're tying it in with Christmas as well, because it seems to be it's all snowy and everything. It's coming out in time for Christmas. There's the whole connection with like peanuts, Christmas specials, and everything as well. Absolutely, yeah. That's yeah. So fitting. yeah, I mean, it's pretty much going to be something that I think parents will be dragging the kids to but <laughs> because we'll probably end up enjoying it yeah I, I have a feeling that it's probably going to be one of those kind of movies that just it, it res- i think it may resonate a little bit with more of an older generation than the younger generation but the younger generation you know even if they don't really 
understand maybe why their parents like it so much. It's, it's still something that they can get into. It's so weird. That's happening with everything at the moment. Like, Star Wars, it's, it's so crazy that there's going to be another Star Wars movie. And pretty much all the people are going to go and see it. Oh, uh, yeah. Including we'll be, myself. <laughs> we'll be, we'll be the, um, the people who grew up watching Star Wars dragging their kids to it. <laughs> so strange that, you know, the kids of today have grown up to watch kids' movies based on what their parents liked. Well, yeah, but I think kids will want to see it too. Yeah, no, don't get me wrong. Star, kids love Star Wars. Wars is concerned. That, that's, a, that's a different beast entirely. That's been being sure, perpetuated sure. for a long time. But we can, we can talk about that in a little bit because I have opinions on the, one of the most recent things that ha- uh, came out in the Star Wars uh, fandom er, series. That's what we call a teaser, listeners. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Is, is, is that, can, I, can I tease that even further? Is that going to be uh, about Rebels? Quite possibly. Wow, that is a big tease. Okay. <laughs> okay, and then other trailers that have been released recently. There is the Secret Life of Pets from oh, um, yes. Illumination Entertainment. Okay. What do we think about that one, then? I, I like the idea. I definitely. I mean, it's it's definitely like a Toy Story kind of s like idea where you have you know. We're, we're getting a look in the life in the, uh, of these pets when their owners are not in the house or not in the apartment, as, as since that's where the setting is. Um, but at the same time, like, I mean, I, like, the, the, from, just from the trailer itself, it looked like it had a lot of potential for a lot of really great comedy opportunities. But I think I remember I was looking at the synopsis. I think we talked about the synopsis before where they have, yeah. there's the, there's going to be a story about a, a, a crazy rabbit that's going to try and take over the world and you know then it like when you have stuff like that it kind of brings that it kind of brings down my expectations a little bit because it's just like you're not focusing on what you should be focusing on it's exactly what you were saying dan about peanuts about the the um confidence to have the small story and this is the opposite yeah it's interesting i mean you've seen that in a couple of yeah, you've seen that in a couple of movies this year, I think, where earlier in the year in the UK we had Shaun the Sheep. And the yeah. trailers for that were what you got with the movie. You you had... Um, amazing. Yeah, you, well, amazing, yeah. But you had, like, you know, um, a bunch of very um, uh, influenced by silent movie sort of skits and visual jokes and everything was very much... Um, you know, there was no dialogue um, and everything was, it was... It was pretty much a story... With let's with lots of little um, visual gags, you know, stringing string the story together, and I thought that was what the Minions movie was going to be, and I've since heard that it isn't quite so much that, which is a little bit disappointing. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's what the the Secret Life of Pets looked like to me. So it's a little bit disappointing to hear that it's going to be this whole other thing. But, you know, Pixar used to do this sort of thing. Pixar used to just do, and and they still do, actually, I think. You know, they just do trailers which um, don't feature any footage from the movie, but are just like little little, uh, skits uh, kind of touching on the concept. You know, the the Monsters, Inc. trailer. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Or even The Incredibles, where Bob was trying to get his his belt on or something. Oh, that was a great one. Mm, mm. So, but but it is it is kind of strange because I think I think what Illumination does best 
is comedy and those kind of light things. And it's a bit of a shame, you know, to see them. Well, not not. It's it's too early to say because the movie hasn't been released. But it's 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 strange to see them try and do a Pixar thing when I don't think really that's why people watch their movies. I think they watch them because they're little yellow things running around going. But um. <laughs> and you know, it's or banana. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And there's and nothing. The, and the little yellow guy apparently making out or trying to uh, like come onto a, uh, a, a <laughs> hydrant, hydrant. Yeah. a yellow hydrant. Yeah, but I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think like a bit of variety is really good. You know, you don't have um, you know uh, Adam McKay films don't pretend. You know, Step Brothers doesn't pretend that it's also going to make you cry and make you fall in love with these characters. Even though you do, but you know it's it's not a prestige movie. You fall in love with them for different reasons. Let's yeah. just listen <laughs> yeah. that way. Yeah, uh, maybe that was a bad example. But, yeah, but it, 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 it could go either way. But Mm-mm. you know, I really like I really like the look of um, the characters. They look quite fun. The grumpy cat who immediately bats away his his dinner really made me laugh. Yeah, it keeps going after the um the first the chicken and then it looks gets the spots of the cake. It's like, oh boy, it's the fat cat. So, were there any other trailers? I mean, there was yeah. there was Zootopia, right? Oh god, that was hilarious. That is being released in the UK as Zootropolis. You're kidding? Really? It's it's one of these. There's some copyright uh, conflict. Something I don't know what it is. It might be. A cleaning product or something, <laughs> something co- just completely obscure, and but it's a it's a trademark conflict, so they've got to change the title. It's like um, when Tomorrowland came out, because there was a music festival over here called Tomorrowland. It became Tomorrowland, a world beyond. So corny. Yeah, wow. just, I'm I'm uh, so surprised when I heard that because it's like. Hang on, come on! It's Disney. You're like the biggest empire, media empire in the world. I'm sure you could probably say, you know, just just bully smaller, smaller companies with with names that you want, and just say well, they could just oh, make yeah. two different sets of posters and not have to bother with all the yeah. I mean, there are, there there have been movies like you know, uh, Disney weren't worried when they called their 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 movie Frozen because of. There, there was a horror movie called Frozen about being stuck on a on a ski lift. Yeah, which has resulted in some fun things for people who work in video stores. <laughs> <laughs> but as for uh, Zootopia, I have to say, as far as a teaser trailer goes, I think they 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 did all the right marks. They had a, they really got a good uh, sense of humor going with this with this movie that will probably like I hope carries through with the other trailers but just from that one teaser trailer I'm I'm very excited to see what kind of uh story is going to evolve in this uh world that they're creating. Mm, I felt it was very 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 teasy. The fact that it was all happening on a on a white background. I kind of um, like that though. I like not seeing everything or yeah. everything sure. Kind of. I thought it was kind of odd that they were marketing it um, based on something that Disney has been doing for years and years and years. They were like, they, going, look, there's talking animals. Yeah, like what, an if, what, what if for why? Yeah, it's like what if animal wore a tie? How hilarious, right? And it's like 
Uh, well, yeah, but show something else. Um, but actually, yeah, they, they, they've done anthropomorphic animals before. Uh, Robin Hood! <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's It was a really odd choice, I thought. Um, but it's also creative. And I have heard um, from people who went to Annecy um, where they showed a little bit more of the production design and they actually showed a couple of finished uh, shots from the movie that it sounds very much like they were teasing um, the world in this trailer for a very, very specific reason in that Ugh. it has got everyone very, very, very excited who has Ugh. who has seen it. Interesting. But it's, it's basically a buddy cop movie, isn't it? From It's what I've got from it, about a fox and a buddy. <laughs> Admittedly, as, as far as putting two animals in the same room, as far as an- being anthropomorphic animals, that, that would be interesting to see but yeah from what i hear yeah, the bunnies the bunnies supposed to be some kind of officer or, poli- or, or cop of some kind and the the fox i the, the fox is a bit hard to read like if he's like some kind of like if, if he's if he's a thief if he's just like a regular guy you know going about his day or whatever just likes causing trouble for rabbits i don't know <laughs> yeah i understand that he is something of um an ex-con or something like that he's a con artist or something yeah like yeah that. T- yeah like a like a criminal turned, you know, maybe turned cop or something like that. Not bad. Not bad yeah. idea. Um, but I, I mean, like the early buzz I heard from from the Amnesty preview was that it's really, really, really funny, and they have got a lot of humor out of you know the different animals they're going to be using. So that sounds promising. Um, there seems to be inevitably a really interesting thematic uh uh you know um thing that they're going to try where it seems to be very much about being different and they're going to and it it seems like it's going to be a lot about race and about people uh. who are who are different from you and not judging someone based on who they who uh, you know what they look like or other prejudices you might have about that type of person mhm um, but yeah, no, it's, it, it sounds it sounds interesting. I really, I really wish that that movie the best, and I really hope it it, it actually you know tries something different and you know it tackles that that topic and actually does it very well. But you know, it's it's hard to gauge where <laughs> at least in this early stage which direction a film could go. Like, I really hope they just sure. only try to touch lightly on maybe those issues, but maybe just try to keep going more with the humor because it seems that's where they they're trying to push it at least right now yeah i mean and that would also be very refreshing because i mean ever since disney like you know struck gold with frozen it seems like their their fun mood i thought like you know wreck it ralph was really really fun um director isn't it it's rich moore oh really yeah oh i didn't know that so because next year we've got Got that, and mm. then you've got um, uh, Moana, which is the princess. Oh, is that next Polynesian year? Polynesian princess one, which yeah. is from uh, Clements Musker. Ron the, and John. Uh, yeah, the yeah. classic team. So, we've got interesting combination of Disney films coming out. Next oh, okay. Year. Well, if Rich, yeah, I love. I think Wreck-It Ralph was my, is probably my favorite Disney movie of recent times. So. Yeah. Yeah. So if Rich Moore's involved, then yeah, I'm in. It looks really great. It sort of reminds me 
well, it reminds me of a lot of things that, that like throwback to, um, yeah, lots of different types of animation, but also it reminds me of the uh, walk cycle, um, segment in the animation, animation survival kit, you know? Yeah. As a teaser, it's great. It's just, I'm, I'm a bit not sure about the concept of the actual film, where it's going to go. Mm-hmm. And then there are other big teaser recently. It's been the one for The Good Dinosaur from Pixar. Have you seen that anyway? Yes, I have. Yeah. Oh, I haven't seen that one. You haven't seen it? It's no, very, very teasy. i tell you where you should go. You should go to this website called animationforadults.com. <laughs> it's quite good. Never heard of it. There's, there's some trailers on there, and you can watch it there. I've been very, very busy this week. <laughs> I, I know you have. But it was like two no, and ago, not a so... lot of sleep either. <laughs> and yeah, no time, no time for extras really. <sighs> but I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing it. <laughs> it's, it's very, very teasy. It pretty much just introduces okay. the concept. Um, you know, you know, it's, it's the, um, it's the high concept. You know, uh, elevator pitch uh, <laughs> of, of the movie where. What if the asteroid that supposedly wiped out the dinosaurs didn't and it missed? And what if humans evolved alongside dinosaurs? Um, it reminds me of the teaser they did for the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy movie. Oh, right. Yeah. God, I didn't even think of that at first. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, it was another thing, actually, that I heard uh, from all the very lucky people uh, of whom I'm really jealous she went to Annecy. Um, they did a preview of the Good Dinosaur there, and I heard that it looks really good and interesting. Um, they had a lot of troubles with the production. It sounds like uh, yeah, well, originally it was—is it Bob Peterson? Yeah, and it was supposed to come out last year. Yeah, and then they postponed it, and then he was taken off, and then Pete Sohn, who who joined Pixar um, on The Incredibles, was one of Brad Bird's. Uh, team he brought over from the Iron Giant um, oh is boy. now directing oh it. Oh my! Yeah, I mean, uh, Pete Soames. Oh. I've, so I've, many feels. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've had my eye on Pete so on Pete Soames for a long time. He, um, uh, I mean, like his first actual presence in it in a Pixar movie is in the Incredibles. They they have a courtroom sketch um, at the very very start, and he did these courtroom sketches, and they're beautiful beautiful drawings and. He's um he's I think he was also the inspiration for um the kid in Up. Oh, oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So uh I mean he and you know he's he's an interesting an interesting talent uh but you know maybe it it sounds like it, okay it, inside out sounds like it was fantastic and I'm really really anticipating it. It would be a miracle if Pixar had another hit this right. year. Um, yeah, so, that would be double whammy, if you will. Exactly. I mean, it would be great. It would be absolutely great. But, you know, behind the scenes, it does not sound like uh, things went smoothly at all. Um, and it sounds like at the moment they're just trying to get the damn thing finished. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, it's kind of interesting because the dinosaurs are very, very cartoony. Yeah. And the environments are very much not and it looked yeah. a little odd to me at this uh, at first so but you know th- th- they literally released about 15 seconds of actual really really teasy clips um in the trailer so there's a lot more to see 
I'm just hoping it's less Disney's dinosaur and more Jim Henson's dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I think I think the um the Henson sort of Muppets influence is really strong at Pixar. Um Pete Doctor said that it was a big influence on Kevin, the burden up. Oh, <laughs> um, I can see because, that actually. Yeah, because you know, its eyes don't move too much and it's really just um in the acting that it has to communicate everything. Um, I would be surprised if they tried to be very, very serious about everything. I don't really think that's Pixar's Pixar's style, to be honest. No, it, it really isn't. I mean, even if you do have, you know, in the, the ser- more serious moments in some of the Pixar movies, they don't really stay there for very long. Like, they'll, yeah, they'll, they'll, exactly. they'll talk about it, and they may delve into the, the idea a little bit to just kind of bring it to the surface, but then they'll just kind of, like, they'll, they'll move on a little bit, at least in some of the films. Yeah, and I mean, I think I think when Pixar tried to be their most um, interesting, frankly, with Brave, people didn't take to it. They thought it was boring and and not good. And you know, the uh, the humor feels quite tacked on in Brave, I think, as well. So mm. so maybe it's not their strong suit. And um, and you know, regardless of whether it's their strong suit, audiences don't like it. So. Uh, well- the one, the one film, I the one thing I would contest, contest with that. I mean, I think it's it's something that Pixar is very capable of if they uh, manage to put the time and effort in. And case in point, I have seen Inside Out, and there are a few. They, they do tackle a bit of a topic that at least that is a bit more on the serious note. And I thought that they did it very well. Oh yeah. Oh no. Absolutely. I mean, you know, even 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 in uh, live action film circles. Mm-hmm. Mentioned up, and the first ten minutes are just oh yeah, frankly, yeah they consider because it, it is it's a masterpiece the the, the um uh, you know that opening the opening uh, section where it's all uh you know played out without any dialogue or anything. Yeah, but I mean they do that in a lot in many other movies. I mean, true. Up was the same way. There's a really sad beginning. Wally had the same kind of thing. I mean, I would say that the difference between Brave and, and pretty much, well, I haven't seen Inside Out yet, is that um, they're not using that that kind of strange, I mean, I always thought it was a little bit strange, sort of like movement. Uh, it's almost like a, like a setup with different movements or song movements or something where like they almost sort of change styles. Do you know what I mean? There, there's a, yeah. like a whole first section with not a lot of dialogue that sets it up and breaks your heart and makes you love the main character. And then, um, you know, then there's another part that's like more story development. And then like, um, movement three is like this crazy, zany, chasing, wacky, wacky, mm-hmm. laughing, laughing. And then in the end, you know, and then, uh, maybe action, <laughs> you know, yeah, and then, it... and then it ties together. And, and I remember just, I mean, it, it just was interesting to me because I was like, okay, well, Wally had that and then, up seem to have have that you know it's like well it's like they're in chunks you know whereas brave except for the yeah the fantasy fairy tale portion would had more uh continuity in a way for me you know style wise i really like brave i think yes um it's quite underrated and um i remember when it came out there was an empire review um that 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 described it perfectly for me it said this is like boutique pixar (laughs) <laughs> where you have to you have That's to funny. come come at it um, on on its on its own terms, and mm-hmm. I think if yeah. you do, there's a lot to there's a lot to like about Brave. But it's Which very I interesting. Sort of, yeah, we're saying yeah. about um, Pixar having first act 
um, problems. I think I think that um, is why I'm really really interested in Inside Out because I've heard um, that the ending is very 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 uh, surprising and like like films should be. It's it's the most memorable part. Yeah. Um, and but it is it's very interesting. I think uh, I think I heard Andrew San- Andrew Stanton once talking about how they develop stories at Pixar. And they mm-hmm. do. They, I, I, I hear they tend to be very happy with just coming up with great first acts, and then really struggling from there to find the rest of the movie. And yeah, unfortunately, with Up and with Wally, it's quite clear that there are two different movies going mm-hmm. on. You know, mm-hmm. there's the movie where, where Wally's on Earth and he's he's uh, chasing Eve in his kind of cute but quite creepy way <laughs> um and the, yeah and then there's the movie where he's in space with jeff garland and it's like okay uh i right. fell in love with one thing and now you're throwing me into a really different space yeah um, yeah but if the whole of up was like the first 10 minutes it might be kind of hard going no i know yeah. but still yeah <laughs> by the end, you'd be in pieces <laughs> i don't know I don't yeah. like oh my god why are you doing this to me my kind of movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly. i like to be torn to shreds emotionally yeah i mean yeah same and that's why i love princess kaguya when it came out because it was just like oh, dead sexy. but there was okay so there was one other trailer that i'm not sure if it was too popular with anyone um Hotel Transylvania 2. Oh, I haven't seen it. Did anyone see that? I did. I actually, um, when I went and saw Inside Out in theaters, that was one of the trailers that um, that was aired right before the movie came on. So, well... I did not care for the first one. No. I didn't care for the first one either, and I'm sorry, the trailer for the second movie did not do very much to sway my opinion that the second one will be any better. <clears throat> because from what I can see, the whole premise is about um, the father, you know, the Dracula, I forget what the character's name, actual name is, I'm sorry. Um, he's trying to keep his daughter from moving out of the hotel with her uh, husband and now son, and he's trying to do everything he can with his monster buddies to make sure that the son is, you know, become, become you know, make sure he's a you know, vampire or whatever, so he you're a monster, so he doesn't have to, they don't have to leave, and he has to stay in the hotel. And hijinks ensues. And I'm just... <laughs> well, I'll be honest, yeah, story-wise, it's it's not it's not the best, and it might be absolutely uh, sacrilegious to say, but I don't think story-wise, Gendy Tartakovsky um, is the greatest. But... As an animator, the way he makes the characters move looks amazing. And even if it might not have the most fantastic story, I I can just watch his, you know, I can watch Hotel Transylvania and be just entertained by the crazy movement he gets. <laughs> yeah, I will admit, I think that that is definitely uh, Gendy's uh strong uh strongest uh talent at least when it comes to animation is just the way he you know his character designs which i actually am a really really big fan of at least from his from his past works and this one sure. too yeah um and, and and like you said the movement of the characters especially when they get into like, like when they get into hijinks it's always pretty fun to watch yeah because, I, you know, it, it makes it was such a shame. Lab. 
Yeah, it was such a shame to hear that he's he's off Popeye at Sony. Yeah, I'm gutted uh, about that. Because that test was great. Yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, kind of like Peanuts in that it's the spirit is the original. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I was also kind of kind of creeped out a little bit by how much it looked like Robin Williams in the uh, oh. in the <laughs> Olsen, uh, Popeye movie from from. I think 1980. Yeah, I remember Like, that. he has, like, a little tuft of blonde hair. Do you know the best thing about that film is the set? Yes. They, they built this Indeed. little village. Yes. This amazing village. I really want to go. I really want and to go. And you can go to it in Malta. And I went to Malta a couple of times um, with my family years ago. And we went to Popeye Village. No way. And it's pretty amazing. Oh, my God. I, I hear Jay. that. I hear that you can... They have a movie theatre there. And the only thing that plays is Popeye. I don't think they had it then. Is that it was right? Oh, and I heard also that when you go, you can, you can dress up as Popeye, olive oil, and the, <laughs> I've forgotten oh, his name, Wimpy, oh, and and you can done it up since I went, and you but... can reenact like parts of the movie on the set. <laughs> that set has paid for itself. <laughs> wow, it's so cool! It's all wonky and everything. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Um. There was one more trailer I really want to talk about. And uh, what would that be? Which was very, very teasy. And that is, I could be very careful saying his name. Is it M- Mutafukas? Mutafukas, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's going to be a rename. It's released in uh, English-speaking territories. <laughs> what uh, would that be? Sorry? Why do you think that might be? I think that might be because it sounds like, as George Carlin would say, father. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> so um, I'm really excited because I heard about this movie, I think about four years ago, because I knew one of the animators who was working on it. And uh, yeah, I mean, animated, <laughs> animated films take a long time to make, but this has been in production itself for a very long time. Um, yeah. Uh, and I know it looks really, really interesting. I love Studio 4C or 4 Degrees. Yeah. I'm not sure how you meant to say that. Um, ever since I saw Tech on King Crete as a kid or as a, as a teenager. So, yeah, I, I, Tech on King Crete's a really unique uh, anime movie in that. Um, it just, it looks, it, it looks very unique, I think. It, it has a really, really distinctive uh, kind of angular style with the characters. Yeah. And um the backgrounds are really really lush. Um they they're you know uh, the the art director is this uh Japanese illustrator whose name escapes me right now. But they just have this amazing uh detailed look. And this looks like it's kind of in that same vein uh visually. Mm. Uh, yeah, I wrote it up for the site, so I saw it and yeah. yeah, it looks interesting. Yeah, it looks... Uh, I, I don't know what the hell's going on. No. Um, but it's... I mean, I, I've kind of gone to the stage where, oh, if there's a good-looking 2D movie, I really want to go and try and support it. And yeah. I'm happy yeah, to... Much. Happy to, you know, even if the story isn't much cop, it's uh, it's it's just, uh, you know, I get a kick out watching 2D animation still. But... Um... When the French and the Japanese team up, it just gives me um, flashbacks to my childhood animations that they did, like Ulysses 31 and Mysterious Cities of Gold. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, 
anytime I hear French and Japanese co-production, I'm sort of in. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. You know, uh, speaking of uh, cool 2D animation, I saw a little, not a full preview, but a, a tiny little portion that they could uh, allow, that we could, they could show us because um, there's a Kickstarter campaign going for it and they have to obviously show the um, funders first. Sure. Um, but it was uh, uh, Simon's Cat in color. Oh, I've, I, uh, I've backed that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love Simon's Cat. It's amazing. It really oh, no is. way. It is. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it looked pretty, pretty neat, pretty neat. Yeah, there's a 11 minute movie. Wow. Yeah, I'm so excited. Oh, I'm so pleased. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that, that was exciting. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting the art book, signed art book. <laughs> Are you? <laughs> yeah. It's one of my first um, crowdfunding things I backed. Yeah, that's nice. terrific. Yeah, um, Emma Birch came to to speak to us at the animation lab. It was it was terrific. Sweet. Yeah, she talked about uh, production from and her work on that. And we, yeah, and, and history. I mean, I sort of had I didn't need to see the history because I was I remember when they were first uh, released on YouTube, <laughs> and I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> sort of been following them from there. They're so funny. They're so funny. Yeah, but it started out like the one bloke pretty much, and it's become a little business, isn't it? Yeah, so right. Really good. Yeah, it was keeping. Story. I mean, it was keeping the whole studio going. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. They actually, okay. yeah, they had an intro movie. Yeah, you could go to their site. I mean, they've got a little intro movie actually, sort of showing the studio and uh, they have some of the animators speaking. Well, that's neat. Yeah. Oh, awesome! Yeah, I should check that out. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to them finishing that, <laughs> so I can see it. Okay, all right, so we're going to talk about a bit of the stuff we've been able to watch and stuff and what we've been up to this week. Um, in my case, last couple of weeks, I've pretty much, uh, for the magazine, I've had to be watching a couple of things to review. Uh, so I've been mainly watching that. And one of them is the anime series Bleach, which is now on to series 15, part 2, apparently, which I've just found out is the penultimate season so it's nearly done wow uh and bleach is basically it's a fun show but it's also kind of frustrating because it's got this problem with filler um what you might not know is that um all the long-running anime series that are adapted from ongoing manga uh they're always in danger of catching up with the source material so they basically make stuff up and the people who make the TV series they write their own storylines to fill in time and imagine if you will that you're watching say Game of Thrones and they've just got to a really important bit and I won't use a real important bit I'll make one up so we say the orange christening something like that <laughs> and then suddenly you get that really important bit and then they think, oh, no, we've really, nearly caught up with the book, so we better add in something. So then you find out that Daenerys has a cousin she's never heard of, and that's the plot for 26 episodes. <laughs> yeah. Or... Yeah. A lot oh. of the like, shonen anime have that problem. And, like, I, I, can, I can count, at least, like, there's, there's, there's Bleach. Naruto is a big offender of that. Like, for, for two series running, both the original series and the, um, and, um, Shippuden, 
and then fairy tale, and it just goes on and on and on, and basically anything that and one One Piece too, like any, at least with One Piece, you know, with them traveling around the ocean, at, at least it kind of makes some kind of sense. You know, they're traveling, going to new places. At least that kind of fits with the filler. But yeah, I feel like you don't notice it so much with One Piece, but Bleach it's really egregious because the the way that basically it's where they put it. You'll be like in the middle of a really key battle that's been building up for series and series, and then in the middle of the battle you get to the next episode bit and they go, hey, we're just going to leave it there and do an alternative storyline. And you're like, no, not again! I wonder, I wonder how, they, how, they, how, their, how, their, how their viewership, um, you know, does that not suffer like when they have filler on? Because surely they have people watching the series on TV still. It's all broadcast in Japan. Well, Bleach yeah. finished, so I guess right. people start watching it a bit. Yeah, so but I, maybe... I'm always shocked as to why, as to how they manage to stay on the air. They still, I'm sure the series still has its has plenty of its like diehard diehard fans that are probably still you know yeah. watching as much of it as they possibly can, like whatever comes out. But yeah, that's true. It's probably as far as I can tell, that's probably the only thing that may be keeping it alive. Because even some of the fans that I knew that were. Uh, big into Bleach have kind of fallen off the wagon. <laughs> yeah, the only Shonen series I've ever, ever finished was Dragon Ball because it was finished and I knew how long it was, what I was getting myself into. And following it just becomes a real, you know, I, I tried following Naruto for a little bit when I was younger mm-hmm. and it became a real chore because they're really, really long series as it is. And then, you know, as you're saying, Chris, once you have filler, you go, oh, really? What's the point of me watching this if this isn't actually going to have any consequences? Well, Naruto, as far as I... Because I've actually been... I've Believe it or not, I've actually been trying to keep up with it at least every every now and again, even despite all the random filler seasons that keep jumping in and out of the whole, like, big climactic uh, war that they're currently having that... Um, it's really... It, like, sometimes it's like... I, I want to like the filler episodes because they do add, like give some more character to the uh, main cast because the manga certainly didn't have time to delve into it too much from what I read. But then there are some episodes where it just is like, why would you even dedicate, you know, half an hour of your time or like a couple minutes to this story that adds nothing? The thing is, they could sort it out by just having, you know, seasons and then having a break. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Just like everyone else does, rather than running 52 weeks a year when you've got a series that runs 52 weeks a year or whatever mm-hmm. uh, but yeah it, you know, it's bleach it's still fun it's just <laughs> the, it's quite frustrating at times Yeah. Uh, and then the other thing I had to watch for the magazine was Dragon Ball Kai which funnily enough is where they went back to Dragon Ball and they took all the filler out <laughs> yep. hey and they remastered it a bit, and there's bits of new animation which kind of stick out like a sore thumb, but they look kind of cool. So that's fun as well. And you can look out for those reviews in the forthcoming issue of my own magazine <laughs> for my full verdict. A little plug there. And that's what else have I been watching? I have actually been working my way through season six of Archer. Which is oh, good old Archer. Archer's fantastic. Um, 
Interestingly, I read something on a website like months ago where it said that season six, the entire cast had been replaced by look sound lights because they wanted too much money or something, and I couldn't get it confirmed anywhere. That and sounds like it could have been an April Fool's joke, right? And I did wonder if maybe that's what it was because <laughs> I, I don't remember what the site was, and I've started watching season six, and nope, everyone's there, so which I'm pleased about. But yeah, I think it's I think it might be the last season, but it's really good so far. Cool. And yeah, very cool. That's what I've been watching lately. <laughs> awesome. How how is um? Hang on, sorry. Archer Archer Vice was series five, is that right? Yeah, and this is season six, and okay. they are now employed by the CIA. Yeah, not, not ISIS. <laughs> because that has, <laughs> yeah, that, that that has some issues with that name. <laughs> they subtly dealt with it in the background. They just had them rolling out the sign in the background. Brilliant. I I, I think Archer is fantastic. It again. Yeah. Um, it's it's one of those weird cases where. You know, unfortunately, with lots of American series where you have to kind of look through the animation a little bit <laughs> to uh, enjoy mm-hmm. the episodes as themselves. But yeah, once you it get... It improves as it goes along, though. Uh, no, there's... to be fair, it really does. It really does. Huh. There's like a sequence in season six where it's it's like a, a, a car chase and it's like referencing Bullet and I think it's in San Francisco and it's pretty amazing. Okay, yeah. well, I should I should check that out. It's just—it's kind of strange to me when you hear H. John, uh, H. John, what is it? John H. Benjamin, H. John, H. John, H. John Benjamin. Benjamin, like really screaming his his face off, and then <laughs> and then the expression on the character is quite limited and not <laughs> nearly expressing the same uh, emotion. Uh, I like the way it looks, though. I like the art style. Sure, sure. No, it's 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 uh, it looks great. It does. It's not horrible to look at at all. It's just pretty much from an animation point of view. You think, okay, yeah, I mean, they're, they're doing the yeah. thing where it's a, because it is made. It's made as a radio play first, yeah. and it's kind of doing that thing where you go because I sometimes watch Archer when I work, and yeah. you, you don't actually have to really look at it to enjoy it. Yeah, it's, it's mostly mo- mostly comes through through the audio and like the the voices of the characters. Yeah, but boy, the writing is top notch. Oh, always. Oh, one other thing. One other thing. I got a chance. I I watched a bit of the uh, remake of the Clangers. I did too. Yesterday morning. <laughs> um, there was a lot of talk about that during the animation lab. Yeah, I bet you heard about it and had no idea what. It was I didn't. About. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Basically, um, there's these British animators who they were sort of from from the fifties onwards. They did like these couple of a few tv series they're a two-man team and it was basically done in a barn like that's not far away from it was where it, I live. it was oliver postgate is that right yeah and oliver and postgate who else and peter Furman. that's it yeah and and they became pretty much synonymous with animation in the uk because yeah. they they produced series which were just shown again and again and uh i think the first thing of theirs i saw was uh over the engine, that was that was small yeah. films, right? Not not yeah. is it small films? Yeah, they did. Yeah. they did like both two D animation and stop motion, and they did. Clangers was basically this series. In it first aired like a week after the moon landing or something. So, <laughs> um, and it's about these little pink 
creatures and they were these little they knitted little creatures <laughs> and they live on a little rock and it was just like this incredibly gentle series because Oliver Postgate used to do the um used to do the voiceover and it's just like for British people for generations because it was on in the 60s and then it was just there was only like 26 episodes and it's repeated constantly yeah the, and the same with all of his series really they had a really they, they it was it was like story time they were very very gentle and and uh and whimsical sort of stories with they were they were they, they were mostly narrated because the animation yeah. was so limited none of the characters had voices or or um any kind of acting you know in terms of lip syncing or anything like that um wow. but it, it was like like story time for the nation, really. Hmm. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. They're very beloved. Yeah, when I was little, there's one of the other series is called Bagpuss. About the, That's probably the his old, most famous series. I yeah. Um, when I was little, because like I said, it's near where where I live. They actually brought in Bagpuss to my school. <gasps> and it was <laughs> amazing. <laughs> that, that, that was a real gasp from me and yeah, like a polite gasp from everyone else. <laughs> If you're British, it's amazing. <laughs> but yeah. anyway, yeah, Clangers, um, they've done a remake of it. They haven't remade any other stuff, but they've done a remake and they've. Like, Pete, Oliver Postgate's dead, but his, um, his son's still alive. And um, Peter Furman's still going, and his, um, his, his son is involved with it. And they've done it all the. They've done it old school, basically. All all the puppets are still knitted. Um, it's a bit more of a big production because it used to be animated by two people and it's now animated by six. But it's still pretty small. And it's just the spirit of it. And it is, they've just captured it. Yeah, the spirit's absolutely still there. I mean, technically, it's a lot um, more refined. The, yeah. Part of, I mean, one thing I need to kind of explain a little bit is kind of part of the charm of Oliver Postgate's stuff is that a lot of it was very, very handmade. And yeah. and you really felt the hand of the individual artists. Um you know, in all of his series really. These I mean Bagpuss was about toys in a toy shop. Yeah. And they all had a very kind of imperfect, you know charm. like lost toys, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um but I mean but the, the polish did not ruin anything for me in the new no. series. Um, and it's, you know, it's narrated by, uh, Michael, Michael Palin. Palin. Yeah. So it's, uh, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I watched one episode where, um, the soup dragon, which is, <laughs> which is this dragon that, um, I can't describe it. It's a soup dragon. It's a, yeah. it's a dragon that, that makes and looks after soup. <laughs> Um, which is like the only other thing that lives on the same planet as the Clangers. Yeah. Um, and it was an episode about the soup dragon um, uh, wanting to keep a tidy, tidy place and the Clangers wanting soup and <laughs> the dragon not being ready for them. So the Clangers make a really big machine that can take as much soup as they want all at once and they try and get out of the soup dragon's cave and they get stuck because the machine they've used has just expanded and they can't get out the hole. And uh, the Soup Dragon's really, really pissed off with everyone. 
And it turns out the Soup Dragon uh, really likes people coming to visit him every day. Sorry, her, every day. Um, you know, the stories are like that. They're very, very gentle, but that's mm-hmm. a- absolutely part of their charm. It's going to be shown in America, but the voiceover is going to be done by William Shatner instead. Just to oh. a little. Oh, oh my, no. Seriously? No. no. Yeah, not Michael Palin, you've got Shatner. Uh, I, I kind of like that. That sounds kind of. I thought it was the joke what you said, but I mean that sounds kind of great in a way. <laughs> that would really suit it. I don't know why, but I'm getting Animaniacs both. flashbacks to that one where they 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 mock Shatner's singing ability. He's but he's so charismatic and he's got a terrific voice. That's true. That's he true. Does. I just it saw would be him. Fitting, I think. I just saw a Q&A with him. Uh, he did, you know, another documentary called Chaos on the Bridge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was that he did a whole Q&A after the movie. It was wonderful. I mean, it was like, maybe, maybe he'll surprise me. I don't know. I mean, I, I love, I, obviously, Star Trek is its own separate entity, and that's probably, like, the only thing I've ever really seen him in, acting-wise. So, that and um, Airplane, too. <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, I mean he's just—he's just got a great voice. I'm just thinking it might be interesting. We'll no, see, I think I, that, I think that would be good. I'm—I'm—I'm uh, I'm, I'm all for alternative, uh, <laughs> you know, voice tracks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I—I I really liked um, because uh, this is a complete tangent, but Stephen Fry uh, mm-hmm. used to read the Harry Potter audiobooks in the UK. Yeah, and mm-hmm. of course, like Jim Dale does it in the US, and. Mm. I listen to Jim Dales and I really, really like them. So I think, you know. They're good. I didn't know that. I mean, I would would like to hear uh, Stephen Fry. Yeah, he's fantastic at doing all the voices. Very um, very good for the early books, I think. Maybe not so much with the later ones where they get a bit more serious. Why would they, why would they switch, uh, why would they switch people like that? I mean, if it's the same... I have no idea. I mean, I'm speaking I guess, the same language, you know, is it I really? I guess it's just like different sensibilities, maybe. Really interesting. Yeah, I'm not sure. Rachel, what have you been watching? <laughs> um, well, the biggest thing definitely is uh, I got to watch the uh, season two premiere of uh, Star Wars Rebels on Disney XD, and I have to say they, with the what I've with the way they're starting off. Starting this uh, new season off with an, that uh, one-hour movie premiere, they're they've hit the ground running uh, by throwing Vader into the um, throwing Darth Vader into the whole scene, and I am very excited to see where it's going to go because you definitely feel Vader's presence throughout the entire episode. You know whether he's actually in front of our heroes or not, and it, it really reminded me of um, the original. The original Star Wars movies, like uh, A New Hope and um, what was it, The uh, Empire Strikes Back, because you definitely just it, it it feels very much like the old films in just terms of like the way it looks, like the way they're handling with the animation and also the tone, the overall tone of the movie, with it, like a lot of really like good humor and good character moments, but also a lot of um, what's, the, what's the word? A lot of really hard hitting moments too, like. The minute you see, you know, Vader duke it out for the first time with our, uh, with the protagonists, it just, it's a complete, you know, steamrolled over them. Like, they, they all, they had no choice but to run away, and it's because, you know, just Vader's just, like, simply walking, walking toward them and then forcing, you know, using the force to throw them into walls and 
blocking every single attack set at him. So, I'm really excited. And it's James L. Jones doing the voice as well, isn't it? Yes, and he, while he sounds a bit different, you know, obviously he, it's been, like, who knows how long since he, you know, he was had to say so many lines with this character. At the same time... No. At the same time... <laughs> <laughs> it, it feels. Like, do not want. <laughs> it feels like a really. It, it it still feels like you know like the way it did back then when you were watching the films. Like I said, it just having him there makes it feel really really super nostalgic for me. I always <laughs> I always felt the Vader voice though um, always seemed dubbed. Like it doesn't quite match with the motions. <laughs> it is, and that's why. <laughs> But I was yeah, always kind of like, I was always like, what? That's a strange action choice. I mean, I mean, like even as a kid, kind of going like, that seems strange. But I mean, it really just added a little extra creepiness for me. Yeah. Until <laughs> later, I was like, oh right. Well, obviously, with the animation in this, it has to be a bit more matched up because the animation, <laughs> I think, is being uh, done around the the vocals. I think this time, this go around. So, so every you know, every every movement you know, is being done, you know, on purpose, and they, they don't waste that at all, at least in terms of getting, you know, setting up this character or reintroducing them, reintroducing him to a possibly a younger audience. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's I awesome. want to see a version of Star Wars with the original voice of Darth Vader, because yes, uh, he, was a, he was a British guy from the West Country, and that basically means he talks like a pirate. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great to see! So like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's terrific. Yeah, um, I, I really like the look of Rebels, though. I mean, I only saw uh, about three episodes. I watched the original pilot. Mm-hmm. And exactly what you're saying um, about it really feeling like the original movies, I absolutely got. So season two sounds like fun. Yeah, they're really... They're, it sounds like they're going to be um, delving into a lot more... Uh, a lot more ca- the different characters in this uh, this season, like they're because it, it seems like if they they're having a lot more fun with uh, season one, just kind of being more of an adventurous like romp with the characters, you know, sticking it to the empire and everything like that. But this, you know, now that the the, um, the tones definitely changed very much, uh, like Empire Strikes Back with the stakes being raised, oh, wow. and um, you know the the heroes are on the run. They the the planet that they've been living on they can no longer stay on because now vader's there and uh and so they're probably going to be trying to travel around trying to do what they can to help you know people who are trying to fight against the empire and helping the budding rebel alliance but um they're still probably gonna we're gonna get a lot more opportunities to learn more about the other different characters because we've had a lot of time with um our two primary jedi characters but i it would be great to learn more about uh hera the the pilot and um, a bunch of the other different characters, and even have a, quite a few uh, nods to um, Star Wars: The Clone Wars, because since that became such a big success, so they had to bring back um, Ahsoka Tano and um, even more so the um, one of the clone troopers that uh, characters that became a uh, huge dark horse in uh, the Clone Wars series. They had to bring him back too. Okay, I'm sold. <laughs> <laughs> If I could find it's, somewhere it's, to watch it. That is a bit of an issue. Because but... I noticed I um it's on Disney XD. Is that right? And it's on Disney XD yeah. in the UK. But I I mean, even if I could get hold of it, I noticed it's only on at like seven o'clock in the morning on yeah. a Saturday and uh, yeah. 
If I find out if a, an alternate uh, place to, to watch it, I will definitely let you know because it is it is really worth watching, even if it's just only for the, you know an hour episode. And we're not going to be getting um, any more episodes, I think, of that uh, the season until the fall, because this is kind of just like you know wetting the appetite of all the of the audience and then waiting until the fall starts when everyone's back in school and then just airing it then. Right. But Those still. Swines. I know. Just like, especially with the way the last episode with 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 this premiere ended, I'm just like, how can you make us yeah, wait? But, oh god, I it, I feel like I feel like I'm in a, an abusive relationship with Star Wars because <laughs> it's just like once. I mean, I ro- I can roll my eyes as much as I want in any conversation when someone mentions Star Wars is back, but I know <laughs> like once autumn comes and Star Wars fever hits, I'm gonna be just. You know, you won't be able to shut me up about it. Yeah, I really hope... sitting in the front room with your lightsaber. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I really hope with what they're doing with Star Wars Rebels, I mean, besides the fact that they're they're taking the opportunity to tell a really, really neat story with, um, with these characters and how the um, Rebel Alliance will eventually be formed, I really hope that it kind of leads into, like, a good way to build what... The, um, the movie, I know the, um, the movie that's going to be coming out this Christmas is going to be... Um, is the kind of tone that that movie's going to have. I really, at least I hope so. Oh yeah. Oh, definitely. Uh, Disney are not stupid at all. And they know exactly what tone they want each of their movies to be. The Marvel movies are very much of a type and the, the remakes of, you know, Cinderella and I think Alice in Wonderland have their own kind of feel. I can't really describe it. They have their own sort of feeling about, you know, as you were saying, like levels of humor and levels of scariness, and I think I think Star Wars has been bought by Disney. You know, they they they're really clever, and it has been bought as a brand. And there is going to be, um, oh Christ, to use the word synergy, but <laughs> there is going to there is you know there is going to be um, a, a Star Wars feeling, which I think. They're gonna, they're gonna recognize it's like a drug for people, and it's gonna, yeah. that's gonna keep you coming back. Well, they've but already it, learned. I mean, with, with, with exactly with the Marvel movies, that if you acknowledge the continuity, and if you try to, you know, if you address what you know the fans say about certain characters, like this is how this character should act. That's not how that character should act. That's you know, that's con- contradicting. They're gonna, they seem to be actively listening. Yeah, it's it's very. Int- I mean, I have a thing with my friends where we talk about this, and we've kind of much we we've pretty much come to the conclusion that Disney are really really good at fan service, and <laughs> that they are, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's not always necessarily a great thing no. because it means they take less less risks when it comes yeah. to <laughs> you know making really interesting movies, and uh, I really don't. Because I'm kind of bored of Marvel movies right now because I can really feel the, the the cogs of the machine that they have working with it. Yeah. And I really don't want that to happen to Star Wars. It's gonna. Yeah. It's gonna be a Star Wars yeah. movie every year, mm-hmm. at least. You're gonna get yeah. You're gonna get tired of it. All the spin-offs and everything. But while it lasts, let's be excited about it. Yeah, yeah. I agree. And at least as far as in terms of story goes, well, at least with the what what. Uh, the season two premiere of uh, Rebels has presented. It's got a lot of really, it, it it has a lot of potential to go a lot of really interesting paces, and I'm really hoping 
that they that they jump on that potential and and ride it out for as long as they can. But they don't, you know, don't try to make it stay. Like don't don't try to like draw it out too much. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Is there anything else you've been watching you want to talk about? Um, trying to think. Um, well, I've uh, been trying to catch up on my Steven Universe. I know we have um, one of our Twitter questions was if, if we had uh, actually watched Steven Universe and uh, know what's going on in that. And I certainly have yeah. been trying to keep up with it. Because it is a really, it is a very special show. Let me just put it, you know, just put it out there that it is, I never expected when I sat down to watch an episode when I, when it came on that it was going to be any good. And it, I kind of jumped in right into that point in the series where it kind of just kind of threw a new idea at you or like, like really kind of helped you delve into the world and the characters. And it just really caught me by surprise on how emotional and how heartfelt it was. Yeah, I I don't know anything about it. I mean, uh, I, I watched I watched the pilot, and it seemed like something kind of in the mold of being Puppycat, where it was very very whimsical, and it had like sort of anime influences, um, and it was about a lovable sort of loser kind of character. Um, I mean, that's not fair to say because I know he's a very beloved character right now, <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> It seems at some point, I mean, because I see the fandom kind of, you know, buzzing about things on, on my Tumblr all the time. And it seems at some point it stopped being a, um, a fun, you know, a really fun cartoon show like everything else. And it turned into like this, like almost like a, a shonen or shoujo like battle, you know, series and everyone's fighting. And what can you can you speak about like maybe what happened? And, and what point like that shift came? I don't know because I mean they um, when I first started watching the series and like, I, I kind of had to go back and you know watch some of the early episodes because I came I came in pr- pretty late to the part where things were you know where that change had already occurred. And I see they they kind of like as from the very first episode they kind of start feeding you hints as to what the um, the crystal gems who are the uh, the three fe- main female protagonists and then of course there's Steven. And how they're um, they're kind of mentoring Stephen because he's technically one of them, and he has to be shown. But he's you know he's part human, so he has to learn how to use his abilities like them. So he's not a danger to anybody. Not you know, though his, his his powers are mainly protective, whereas their theirs are a bit more combative. And you learn more about you know who they are, a bit more of their past, and how they you know came to be on the on the planet Earth. How they. Um, how one of their members, I think their leader, who's named called Rose Quartz, actually came to know uh, Stephen's father and how they developed a, a relationship and then eventually resulted in, in Stephen's birth. And and then, you know, obviously the repercussions of where these, where the Crystal Gems came from and how it's, but they're, you know, it involves the planet and so forth and how it's, you know, it, it, gets, it just generally builds and builds and builds upon itself until it actually is developing into a pretty interesting story. That's that's fantastic because I mean personally that's something that I've wanted in cartoons for a long time, um, like a continuous story. Uh, that was part of why I got into manga and, and anime series when I was, you know, getting to be about twelve, thirteen was because you know, hey, episodes of Fairly Old Parents are fun, but mm-hmm. you kind of you get to a certain age where you want to follow a story. Yeah, and it's really cool that you know audiences of that age are being. 
are being offered that now. And also something with Steven Universe that that has happened, which is really, really, um, really cool, is that it seems to have a very strong um, understanding of uh, what the audience wants out of gender representation. Oh yeah, there, there's and, there's a big uh, there's a big yeah. thing with that. And there's and there seems to be a big like LGBT following. Um, can you talk about how that is in the show? Because I haven't seen it. And I just wondered how that actually manifests in the the program. It's kind of fascinating because they, 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 I think they get away with it because of the fact that the crystal gems, the, um, the female characters are not really, since they're not human, but they take up the appearance, like some of the appearance of humans, but they're actually genderless. They just choose to have female forms and, um, and they can change these forms at, on a whim. So, um, so basically you could have an entire, you know, race of these of these creatures or these aliens they're they're I just, spoiler alert they're aliens um <laughs> <laughs> but um one of the things like it's it's interesting because they're not real physical beings i mean what the the constructs you're seeing are basically uh images that they're uh the gemstone which is really what they are putting out and um one of the ways that uh these gems form close relationships with each other is through fusing so combining their forms to form a whole new different entity. And um, one uh, character in particular is um, basically a representation of uh, the closest level that that, you know, of what that can reach. And when two gems are so close that they they will not and do not want to separate from each other. And wow. it, 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 it's 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 kind of it's kind of brilliant in a way because it. it brings out like it, it gives, gives a lot of opportunities to talk about you know what is a relationship what, yeah. between, what is a romantic relationship between two people or two you know feeling creatures that's fantastic i'm 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 uh i'm really intrigued now because i'm all for cartoons that have ideas you know above their above their mm-hmm. station so to speak definitely you know definitely. when i was growing up it was like we had johnny bravo kind of kind of you know i mean the joke was always that he was a twat but you know it was (laughs) um uh, you know we had him like womanizing you know all sorts of things uh Mm -hmm. (laughs) not just women but um it's really cool that cartoons you know mainstream cartoons can now do that it's it's just really cool it really swept the the rug right from out right out from under me. Like I that's I like I said literally I came in late. That's actually the part that I came in on, and I just it when you uh, you get to you find out that this character is actually a fusion of two individuals, and it has been for a long time. You just and you you, you see it's like a two two fem two looking like female looking characters, and you know they're so happy to be back in you know each other's arms, and they're just you know it's like. And then they fuse, and they come back to this character, and I'm just like, "Wow, they did that on a cartoon show." That's and nice. And even so, like the there was another aspect that really drew me to Steven Universe, but is the idea that um, the fact that um, since he's part crystal, you know, he's part gem, that how the fact that he can even be was that they they delved into that a little bit of how his mother was actually able to create him and actually had to give up basically her identity in order for him to be born and uh and how you know her loss way you know the fact that she had to do that weighs heavily on the other you know three main protagonists but they still raise him they still take care of him they still love him and uh 
you know, try to help him, you know, understand what he is. And, uh, but it, it's still like, the, even though despite that, they don't, you know, her, her loss still weighs heavily on them. It's, but, well, one character in particular who, um, is still trying to deal with that. And she'll have moments where she'll like break into an, ep- you know, she'll have an episode where she'll be reminiscing about, you know, her past with, um, Rose and it just gets really, really, really heartfelt and sad and oh, makes me that's cry. That's really heavy. That's amazing because, yeah. as I say, I only really saw the first few episodes and it seemed to be very gag based sort of, um, set up and, you know, it, like a reset button show. Mm-hmm. You know, so, uh, is that how is I mean, does it still have elements of that or is it now just full continuity catch up? You know, you can't miss an episode at all. Oh no, there's still plenty of um there's still plenty of gags and there's still um episodes where it it, it does feel very episodic. Like you could, you know, you, you watch it and then it'll have a little self contained story <clears throat> and then it'll be over within the very short um episode time limit that okay. it has. But at the same you know, still Despite that, at least when they, you know, start getting further into the story, they'll start, you know, this, with those self-contained stories, they'll add little snippets or hints of, um, a plot thread that will be, that, that is revealed later on in another episode. That's great. I mean, that's, it's really cool that they're being given the, the license to do that. Mm-hmm. As, as yeah. creators, really. Because I think people have been trying to do that for a long time. Mm-hmm. And particularly with kids shows. I think um, uh, networks and studios have been really reluctant. Yeah, it's. Yeah. I'm. I'm really looking forward to seeing what the um, what it will try next, and I'm, I'm even with just the episodes that are out right now. Like, if I'm really just want to kind of feel good and just have like watch something that's on, you know, yeah, just need to watch something. I'll always put on like a fifteen, like a fifteen minute episode and. Just see, like maybe one that I haven't watched yet or haven't had the opportunity to see, and just enjoy it because it, it's it's very fun. It's got beautiful colors, great environments. I mean, I'm I'm oh kind yeah, of I follow all the, the designers setting. on Tumblr. They're fantastic, Kevin Dart and mm-hmm. yeah, I'm yeah. Really I, I, I follow the, uh, locale too because I heard that um I think the the show's creator Rebecca Sugar I think her name is yeah um. Uh, the Beach City, which is the uh, setting for the um, for the series where they where they live, is uh, kind of like a shout out to um, Delaware beaches, which I've gone to since I was a kid. So I'm I'm, I'm kind of very just like looking at it and just like that does kind of look like <laughs> a bit like a combination of the various like beaches like in Dewey or Hobith and stuff like that. Awesome. <laughs> But yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna check that out now. You've Definitely. told me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, get back to me on what you're, on your thoughts about it because I'd love to have that com- more about this conversation. Yeah, later. yeah. <laughs> everything pretty much. Once I can find the time. Oh, so. there is one more tiny, tiny, tiny little thing that is really tiny that I want to talk about. All right. Basically, turns out Studio Ghibli isn't totally dead. They did a couple of commercials. Not, oh yeah, well, not oh, really. Right. Yeah, okay, so. Studio Ghibli proper did actually do a commercial. Um, Katsuya Kondo, who is a, an animator um, who's been in Ghibli since Kiki's Delivery Service, and he's been like Miyazaki's right hand man for years and years and years. He did a he did a really cute, quick commercial for Taiko no Tatsujin, the um, the like drumming game. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, um, 
and it's really cute. It's just like a little a little rat <laughs> kind of um <laughs> running around and jumping into um into uh drums. Um I I mean like Ghibli have done commercials for as long as they've done um movies. Uh, they did one with a little cat a little while ago as well. I can't remember what it's for. Yeah, it was for um I think it was for an insurance film or something. But yeah, they yeah. They, they yeah, it's it's kind of in that style of like um you know, like really calligraphic sort of lines. Yeah. Um, it kind of is, is made to look like it, it was drawn on a canvas. Uh, uh, but yeah, it's kind of in, interesting because it kind of lets you know the lights are still on somewhere mm-hmm. at the studio, and maybe they're not. As long as they're still there. they're still doing what they what they love doing, I don't care what it is, whether it be commercials or whatever. I just yeah. as long as they're still going. That's, I think, that's I think enough they will. for me. As, yeah, as long as Miyazaki's alive. There was another really interesting tidbit I saw. Um, apparently Miyazaki's working on a CG short. Uh, mm. Yeah, apparently um, Goro Miyazaki and his son, Yeah. Uh, you know, who's directed Tales from Earthsea and... Uh, Poppy, Hill. Poppy Hill. And more recently, uh, TV series... Uh, Ronya, the robber's daughter. Yeah, which, the one that hasn't made it to the West yet. Yeah, probably for <laughs> somehow. Well, you should see it, and then maybe you realise why. <laughs> but, oh, all right, okay. <laughs> but um, he let it slip in an interview that Miyazaki was working on a CG short. Uh, so it's really not clear where that's going to pop up. Most likely the Ghibli Museum. Where all of his shorts. <laughs> so, you know, pretty much, you know, as good as I'm released to the rest of the world. Uh, uh, of course. Uh, but yeah, I just thought that was that was kind of cool to see. That is pretty neat. Yeah. I have been telling people that they're not... People just go around saying that they're dead when there's no been no confirmation. There's people like no... drama, Chris. They like drama. Yeah. yeah. They, there's not a movie in production at Studio Ghibli at the moment, it doesn't necessarily mean there's not going to be one. i got to say, it doesn't look good. I mean, I thought that um, uh, Hiromasa Yonavashi, yeah. who you know, directed um, Arietti and more recently um, When Marnie Was There, I yeah. thought he was going to be the heir to the to the, um, to the left. Sort of throne. And then he left. He up sticks and it looks like he's... Um, at Studio Ponoc, is that right? With uh, uh, I think that I think that was someone else. Oh yeah, the the producer of um, Princess Kaguya. Oh yeah, yeah. He's done yeah, that, yeah. He's done, the, he's done that, um, that advert for trains, but supposedly Ghibli still say that he's connected with them. So okay, well, so. it's like a one-sided relationship. Then. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's because basically. Most studios, they don't have permanent staff. What they do is they have people on contract for the project. Yeah. Well, but G- Ghibli always kept people on staff, which is unusual. And what's happened is that most people who are on staff have now gone on to do other stuff. I g- so, yeah, I can't, I can't blame them. I mean, most most Japanese animators are freelance, so it's kind of it's quite unique for. It, it was quite unique what was happening at Ghibli, where you had the older staff who were. Who were on on salaries rather than, you know, 
per contract. Yeah. So it might be the Ghibli are just going to have people on, on freelance like everyone else. Maybe. I don't think it looks good for them. But, you know, never say never, obviously. Well, they got to do what they have to do in order to keep the studio going, I guess. I mean... I think yeah. that Miyazaki's a little bit of a... <clears throat> um, he's he's done a bit of self-sabotage. In, yeah. In kind of, you know, it's his baby. And I think, you know, if you've seen the, um, the documentary that was released uh, a couple of years ago, or I think it was last year, um, The Kingdom of Dreams and Madness, he was, you know, talking about the studio crumbling and in a very dramatic way that kind of implied he doesn't really see anyone worthy of um oh, right. taking up the mantle so he's a grumpy old bugger though to be fair <laughs> i think i think he he is i think also some people don't understand that he has a very 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 dry sense of humor and he's not necessarily being totally serious when he says things. yeah anime was a mistake you know it's like <laughs> He, that was you were catching him at a bad moment, probably when he said that. It's not um, his fundamental belief, I don't think. But uh, yeah, anyway, so Jimmy's not dead for now. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Time to go celebrate. Woo! You know, in in the land of uh, animated short film, <laughs> um, I saw a bunch of stuff at the at this you know animation lab. Obviously, uh, you know Adam Elliott. Oh wow! Yeah, he yeah. Was short. That's right. Yeah, uh, Ernie Biscuit is the name of it, and um, <laughs> and we and we also got to see a lot of uh, you know his early stuff. Brother, cousin. Have you seen any of those? They're really, um, yeah. really beautiful little shorts. That's the Australian stop motion guy, isn't it? Who did? Uh, what was it called? Mary Mac- Max. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, those early ones are really uh, heart-wrenching. You know, we talked about that before, like uh, anime content that, that really gets you, gets you in the feels. Yeah, yeah he's, unrelent- he's, he's unrelenting, isn't he? With his... He is, he is. Yeah, he's, he's uh, sort of a slave to that type of content, too, it seems like, um, you know, according to his speech. And his speech was wonderful. It really was inspiring. Um, he's a lovely guy. We also saw... Um, a bunch of uh, Barry Purvis uh, old stop motion. Uh, oh, was Barry Purvis there? He was, and I. He's a character as well. Isn't you know, he. I could listen to that man just read the dictionary. He made some <laughs> comment about how he, you know, was interested in acting at one point, and he, but he was no good. And I, he I told you about nude days as well. His what? He he went on like a couple of nude like marathons or something. Oh, that does not surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he, he couldn't wait to tell us that stuff. He's, oh, uh, I wish he's I fantastic. knew about that beforehand because I would have asked that. <laughs> yeah, he was that, actually um, yeah. a tutor at our school for a little bit, so um, I saw him quite often, and he would he would tell us all sorts of stories. My my favorite thing that he says is stop motion animators have amazing thighs. Because they're constantly <laughs> kneeling, <laughs> they're constantly wow. kneeling down to get things, and he keeps on like hitting his thighs, and you know, thighs. <laughs> I he is so entertaining, and he, but his delivery is fantastic too. You know, I mean, he seems like he comes across as a stage actor to me. <laughs> oh, he absolutely he's absolutely classic animator as actor, isn't he? Yes, he's, he he's, is. Uh, so. Uh, I think the last thing of his that I saw was, oh, crikey, was it 
It wasn't called Cliff and the Shadows. It was called something else. Um, the thing about the the guy with the angel wings. Oh, um, um, wow, great sleep deprivation. Um, yes, I <laughs> I saw that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's um, he's uh, he's an animator oh, that man. some people might not be aware of, but is really really worth checking out. He did he did he did an amazing um, short uh, of Shakespeare. Um, mm. as well that's uh, that's fantastic shoot yeah I should have written that down um, <laughs> no they were yeah it was it was really it was something else I mean yeah we saw a bunch of his films and then there was a little bit of a Q&A with him yeah. and uh, the other thing is uh, I mean I've seen I saw a ton of stuff this week but one one short film that I absolutely loved was a short called Freshly Cut Grass um, and I let's see. I had to write down the name of the company because I never heard them before. It's Irish companies. Yes, it? Boulder Media. Oh yeah. Robert Cullen was, I guess, the name of the director. Um, I you know I was unfamiliar with him, but I I mean, that short was great. <laughs> oh really? And, yeah, you should just yeah you should just watch it. It's uh. Oh, I, it's, I, worked, I found the... I found a trailer. I don't think you can watch it online yet. Oh right, right, yeah, not yet. But it's got um. It's got cuteness and darkness. <laughs> oh, boy. Dangerous, <laughs> Dangerous but awesome combination. Yes. <laughs> Boulder Media are doing the Danger Mouse reboot. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah they're, they're, um, they're, and they also make uh, Randy Cunningham, uh, Ninth Grade Ninja. Very, I know quite a few people who, who work there. Really good animators. Ah, cool. Yeah. All right, okay. <laughs> I think that probably... We've been going on quite a while, and I think probably we should wrap it up about here. Yeah. Uh, we didn't have time to get in the Twitter questions, I'm afraid, but keep sending them in. You can send them in to at, at AFA blog, or you can send them via our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash animation for adults, or via, our, via the website, which is animationforadults.com. And you can also find us on Tumblr and Pinterest, if that's your kind of thing. <laughs> so, I think it's now time for us to say goodbye, and I'd like to say a huge thanks to Mr. Dan. Hello, goodbye. hello. <laughs> Can we do plugs? Plugs. Yes, yes. No, That's I'm, what I'm getting on to. Yeah, Come I, on. I'm joking. I don't have anything to plug. <laughs> what about your Twitter? Um, you can catch me being grumpy on Twitter at, at Hamu. Yeah, there we go. That'll do. That's fine. Right. <laughs> Rachel. Yes. Um, um, you can bug me on Twitter also at uh, Fail2Ninja. Awesome. Thank you, Rachel. And Yvonne? I'm on Twitter uh, at Eisner underscore Inc. That's my company name, too. So, yeah. I'm, and I'm, you can also yep. check out Eisner.com. It is .com, isn't it? It is. <laughs> to see Yvonne's awesome work in the animation and art things and you can find me at Mr. Christor on Twitter and also the same via Facebook and you can follow us all at uh, AFA blog yay yay <laughs> <laughs> so thanks everybody thank and you thanks, thanks for listening if you did if you made it all the way through and I've managed to edit this all together into some sort of <laughs> listenable thing i don't know this is all in the future i'll try so 
we'll catch you soon, guys. Hello there, gentle listeners, and welcome to the AFA podcast, the official podcast of animationforadults.com, the blog for the adult animation aficionado, the blog for the adult animation aficionado, the adult, the, f- the blog for the adult animation fan, Hey, <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, I want to say aficionado, but I can't say it. <laughs> it's not that hard, I'm saying it now. Aficionado. <laughs> Just, but, just edit it in there, man. Uh, It'll work. <laughs>